Welcome to The Receptive Life. We're learning how to fight against the unholy trinity, to defend ourselves with the promises that come from the person and the work of Jesus, but also learning how to receive all of the gifts that can only come from the hands of the triune God. So we're in the weekly practice now. Uh, This first station on Mondays, we we call it Station 7, will help us focus on the Ten Commandments. Again, the little Bridger verse there, Psalm 119, verse 32, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. So, you know, throughout the week, you you do the daily practice, Stations 1 through 6, and then set aside, you know, each day of the week for a different focus on the the six chief parts, or the ABCs of the Christian faith. So the first commandment is this, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What does this mean, Luther says? Well, we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. The disciples are asked by Jesus when others are deserting him, Do you want to leave too? And their response, uh, Peter says, John 6, verse 68, Well, to whom shall we go? Only you, you have the words of life. And so this little commandment, one sentence, you know, no other gods, thou shalt have no other gods. Uh, What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. This little phrase, no other gods, um, God doesn't, the triune God doesn't want to be first among many. He wants to be only, alone, no other. So really the thought, you know, I want to put God first in my life, maybe should be replaced by, no, he should be only, uh, no other. Uh, We trust in him alone. Now again, Papua New Guinea, this little idol uh, that uh, the the villager, uh, the elders from the village brought to my father. Um, When they brought that to my father, uh, they basically then said, uh, you told us about you told us about this Jesus, and we had first heard about that, and we we believed it, but we weren't quite sure, so we weren't ready to give up um, this other idol. So we kind of wrapped him up, uh, we put him aside up in the mountain, and if we needed uh, needed him in the future, and the one that you told us about uh, really wasn't true, then we'd have another to go to. Well, this is what it means. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. On that night that the elders brought this idol to my to my father, what they were saying is, Jesus, the one that you told us about, the triune God is the true God. There is no other for us. There is not a backup, right? There is not some other um, God that we're going to trust in. We will fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Now, Psalm 81, verses 8 through 10 says, Hear my people, and I will testify to you, Israel, if you would listen to me. There shall be no strange God in in you, neither shall you worship any foreign God. And then verse 10, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. No other gods, right? No other strange god. No backup little god hid up in the in the mountain somewhere just in case, right? Uh, this god uh, that is revealed in the scriptures doesn't, you know, doesn't work out. So Martin Luther in his large catechism. So Luther wrote the small catechism as a simple little way to teach the household, but he also would preach uh, about the, these 
six chief parts, the ABCs, and then he compiled some of that those messages into into something called the large catechism. So uh, along with the small catechism, if you find a copy of the large catechism, it's also a, a wonderful devotional way to focus on uh, the core foundation, the ABCs of the Christian faith. So in Martin Luther's large catechism, he writes, well, that is, thou shalt have and worship me alone as thy God. He says, well, what is the force of this? And how is it to be understood? What does it mean to have a God? Or what is God? Answer, he says, a God means that from which we are to expect all good, and to which we are to take refuge in all distress, so that to have a God is nothing else than to trust and believe him from the whole heart, as I have often said that the confidence and faith of the heart alone make both God and an idol. And so uh, the heart is the place of trusting, hoping, believing. And whatever your heart clings to, then that is your God. Is it the triune God? Is it a little God that you made with your hands and wrapped up and put up in, in a blanket in the mountain? Is it your own power or, or strength? Here's some revealing uh, questions. So what happens when you have, and we'll fill in the blank with such things as money, uh, health, uh, power, or a perceived control over some events, right? So your heart is probably full of joy and uh, you feel secure. But the question, uh, the next question is, what happens when you don't have those things? What happens when you don't have money? Uh, when you don't have your health, uh, you don't seem to have power or, in quotes, control of circumstances. Where does your heart run then? Now, if your heart is saddened and, uh, you know, because you want the power and the control and you think that money is a way to re- to get that and to, pers- uh, uh, to protect that, well, maybe that's an indicator that Yes, we may believe in a triune God, but there's these other gods also that we're trusting in. And so good questions. You know, what happens when you have, fill in the blank, and then what happens when that is taken away? Uh, and that's a good revealer. It, it shows us what we believe in, what we hope in, what we, what we trust in. Now, Luther continues in the large catechism. He says, if your faith and trust be right, then is your God also true? And on the other hand, if your trust be false and wrong, then you have not the true God, for these two belong together, faith and God. That now, I say, upon which you set your heart and put your trust is properly your God. So again, whatever your heart clings to, that is your God. So we're called to trust in God, and the phrase is, alone. Look to him alone. Expect from him alone, all good gifts. Now, he does give us these gifts, right? But we're going to find that he gives them through uh, means. Uh, We could refer to this as the masks of God. And so behind the, the, the gift is God himself giving it to us. Now, a way to explain it is uh, from this little quote in the large catechism. Luther says, for even though otherwise we experience much good from men, Still, whatever we receive by his command or arrangement is all received from God. For our parents and all rulers and everyone besides with respect to his neighbor have received from God the command 
that they should do us all manner of good, so that we receive these blessings not from them, but through them from God. Those who cling to God alone should be sure that he will show them mercy, that he is uh, show them pure goodness and blessing, not only for themselves, but also to their children, their children's children, even to the thousandth generation and beyond that. This ought certainly to move and impel us to risk our hearts in all confidence with God. Again, all good gifts come from God. They may come through parents or an employer, but behind them all is the triune God. Now, we are to risk our hearts in all confidence with God. To whom shall we go? That's a wonderful question. It's as if you look at it, you analyze your life and say, what other options are there? To whom shall we go? Only you have the words of life. We risk it all on the promises of the triune God. No other gods. There's not like God is first and then, you know, there's another one. Not first among many, but rather alone, only no other gods. And so we're going to find that all of the next commandments really come back to the first commandment. What does it mean? Thou shalt have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, trust in God above all things. Again, the triune God is the perfect lawgiver, right? He knows what blessings there are when we trust in him alone and not look to other gods. Now, again, spiritual diagnosis, we have failed to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. But again, what's the cure? What's the the medicine? It's Jesus, the finished work of Jesus, the perfect law keeper, the one who becomes sin for us. Again, as you look at the Ten Commandments, and uh, perhaps you're, you're terrified by your sin, your lack of trust in God, where is the hope? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For him who knew no sin... He made to be sin on our behalf, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God.